We're rolling. Welcome to the House Dudes Podcast, where we invite you to follow us on our journey towards financial freedom using the power of real estate. I'm Jack Haas. And I'm Josh Koth. Here at House Dudes, we believe in a couple key principles. Number one, the best way to retain information is by teaching it to others. And number two, a rising tide lifts all boats. We're not competitors, we're a community. So let's get into some real estate investing. This episode is brought to you by Yellow Letter HQ. Head over to bit.ly slash yellow letter HD for fast, affordable, direct to seller marketing. Tired of real estate marketing campaigns that don't get results? Yellow Letter HQ is one of the most competitive direct mail campaigns that can save your budget and your sanity. They deliver a fast campaign turnaround that gets your phone ringing. Check out their services at bit.ly slash yellow letter HD. Well, we got Gary Boomershine, and a lot of people probably already know who you are, Gary. I appreciate you being on the show, but for those who might not know who you are, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Hey, yeah, Jack. Great to be here. I'm super excited. Uh, I know we actually got this kind of pulled together kind of quickly for your group. And uh, so for everybody that doesn't know me, my name is Gary Boomershine. I am a... uh, uh, I, I've I've actually got the I guess the term is called OG, <laughs> original mm-hmm. gangster in real estate. If you've been through multiple cycles, I guess that's the term. Rafael Vargas actually told me that. I thought that was funny. Who's a big wholesaler uh, on the on, out of out of Florida, but I've been doing real estate a long, long time. I run a company uh, for what most people know me for realestateinvestor.com. Used to be a company called REI Vault. We're the largest marketer for real estate uh, for both agents and investors all over the country. I think we've mailed out, you and I were talking, I think as I was running the numbers, we're close to 55 million pieces of direct mail that we've mailed out for some of our clients. Uh, We got about 1,200 clients and we do a massive amount of phone, uh, we call them sales ninjas, but it's as the leads come in, being able to actually do the qualifying screening and appointment setting. And we've done mm-hmm. nearly three and a half million, almost 4 million seller calls appointments. And so uh, that's our, our primary business, but I've been real estate investing since 2004, live in San Francisco Bay area and, uh, and uh, been talking about the real estate cycles for long, mm-hmm. long time. Real estate has been a seven year cycle and uh, we've this uh, for a hundred years. And this is the longest cycle. And I've been talking about the, the cycle change of what's coming for probably three years. And now, obviously, we're in the middle of COVID. And here we are. And just for all, the, all, all your loyal listeners, these are some of the biggest transitions in wealth ever. This is really the type of market that we're going into now that many of us investors have been looking for. And uh, so buckle up your seatbelts. We're getting ready for an incredible, incredible opportunity for being in this particular real estate market right now and for the foreseeable future. Yeah. And in fact, I almost want to predict myself that we're just, as investors, we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg at this point. I mean, we're, we're still seeing a lot of people who are getting deferred loans and, and their unemployment might be starting to dry up and, and, what have you here soon. So it, we're just possibly just starting to see that type of distressed seller, if you will, in, in these markets. Yeah. I, 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 I run a podcast. I was actually just sharing this uh, with our group uh, last week. You know, a tsunami 
is coming. Yeah. And what, what happens, it's almost like if you think of a huge tsunami, right, coming, people go out to the beach and the water is going out and there's fish, you know, all over the beach sand. And a lot of people like look down saying, oh, look at all the pretty fish on the sand. No, a tsunami is coming. And it's typically a, a, a period of time. So we're going to be seeing a massive number of foreclosures. We're going to see, I've been, my prediction, and this is all based on market history, is we're going to probably see an, an initial drop across the board for most markets. We're going to probably see a decrease in value uh, for a period of time and then probably massive, massive appreciation mm -hmm. in values. Why? Because they're printing money uh, in unprecedented amounts. The Federal Reserve, our fiat money system, we've never printed money. And so that becomes an, a hyperinflationary period. What that means is, you know, regular stuff that we're buying, like milk and eggs, start to go up. But the physical assets is really, really where we want to be. And um, so we've been preparing. I think what we've been telling everybody, this is the three P's right now. It's number one is protect. Number two is pivot. And number three is profit. And, um, and I think that there's an incredible opportunity. A lot of us are doing what's called virtual wholesaling, Jack. Um, that's the market as I see it, uh, especially on the single family side. Um, and there are still plenty of buyers. The market's super hot for that. Virtual wholesaling, a lot of people know what that is, but virtual just means we're able to do it remotely. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of us have adjusted our businesses and those that are just here to two years is going to be the buying opportunity. And so preparing right now for that opportunity that's going to come for most of us. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's go back to some of the things you've just said there. You know, the virtual wholesaling is, is something that's always been uh, something that we've dabbled in but haven't really dived into. Um, can, can you talk a little bit like how, how are some people uh, doing this virtual wholesaling? You know, it's especially for newer investors, wholesaling seems to be the low hanging fruit, you know, the concept of getting a property under contract and just selling paper. Um, and until they do it that first time, it seems like that's when the gateway drug happens is when they finally get it. Like, oh, now it becomes possible and it becomes you can possibly do it on a consistent basis. How do you do that with a virtual wholesale? Yeah, um, it's actually a lot easier than might, people might think. Um, uh, the main difference, so most wholesaling, we're in a local market. We're working in, in our small market, typically 250,000 you know, properties uh, in a local market. And we're able to go and meet the seller face-to-face. -face. The difference virtually is we're most, most often we're not actually even meeting the seller or the buyer face-to-face. -face. We're doing it remotely. Um, and in some places, some people are doing it from across other states. I've got a, we've got a realestateinvestor.com member. Uh, these guys have got a six-figure wholesaling business. They do it out of Vancouver. They live in Canada. And they're working Austin and a couple of markets uh, in Texas completely remotely. Um, mm -hmm. they, uh, they found that it was actually even easier for them to do it remotely. They, for about six months, they moved locally and then they went, went back and said, wow, we're making more money doing this remote. Um, it's over the phone. And especially with what's going on with COVID, 
uh, a lot of sellers, um, all of us have adjusted to being able to use, you know, Zoom as an example. So a lot of the Zoom meetings are for um, recording of the properties and property tours. A lot of the buyers, now the cash buyers that were selling the houses too, they're typically local. So they'll go and typically see the house. It might be virtual, but everything, the closings, the whole thing is uh, remote. And mm -hmm. uh, the hardest part of that whole business is probably mindset of just th the fact that you can do it. Mm -hmm. And then number two is, you know, it takes some... Uh, the, the interaction with the seller over the phone, it typically is a little bit more, more numbers of interactions. Like you can go meet with the seller face to face. We're closing the deal at the dining room table a lot faster than we might, um, that we might if we're, if we're doing it over the phone. That's what I found. I've been doing the virtual wholesaling kind of model and in, 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 that's not my primary business, but I've been doing that for years. And the guy, the guy that actually coined it, his name is Chris Chico. You probably uh, have heard of Chris. Good, super good friend of mine. But he was what's kind of the grandfather of virtual wholesaling. He's in Miami, and he was buying properties all over, wholesaling properties all over the country. So I like just to stand back. You know, <clears throat> um, wholesaling is almost like being a general contractor of a of a property with only a hammer. It's just mm -hmm. one strategy. And so I like to look at real estate as three buckets, cash now, cash flow, cash later. And virtual wholesaling or wholesaling is typically just cash now. It is really truly a job. It's a trans a single transaction where I'm putting a property under contract with a seller. So I got a signed contract, I find a buyer that's willing to pay a higher price and then mm -hmm. I'm getting a, an assignment fee. Um, so it is, you know, it's great in this market because there's very little risk. It's more time and a little bit of marketing uh, money because we're, mm -hmm. we're having to find those deals. Um, cash flow are typically rental properties. And I know that you're a huge fan of the rentals as I am um, and, and doing things like notes, private lending. And then cash later is the long-term holds right? Of being able to take appreciation and depreciation. And the reason I like virtual wholesaling right now is that, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty in the market. There's money to be made. A lot of us are actually doing wholesaling um, just because we don't know exactly where we anticipate we're going to see a drop in prices, at least my group and myself, that we're going to see a small drop in lots of the areas of the country before we see a big increase. Mm. So, you know, just being very being watchful on what we're buying right now, if the fundamentals work, right, and you can afford a second wave of this COVID thing, then by all means, that would be a great thing to go buy. But a lot, you know, we're coming out of the euphoric stage of real estate, the tail end of the peak of a market. And right. as we know, you know, Warren Buffett says, buy low, sell high, right? Don't mm -hmm. lose investor money and uh, follow the laws. And so, I'm not a big fan right now of just going out and buying, you know, the fix and flip and the rehabbing and the rental properties unless the fundamentals are there. Sure. So, you know, when you're talking about virtual wholesaling or, or anybody for that matter, you already mentioned marketing, but I'm going to kind of go about this a little backwards because a lot of people target marketing and try to find those, those potential sellers. But, 
I think it's probably, in my opinion, anyway, an experience, you got to establish that buyer's list first. And you got to find those potential buyers. What have you seen in marketing that, uh, that's been fruitful in establishing those, those buyers in those virtual markets? Yeah, great question. Um, we've done a lot of buyer marketing and I'll just tell you for the most part, we're not doing, not having to do a lot of buyer marketing. A lot of people have had this philosophy of having this huge buyers list. Mm -hmm. Um, and what we have found is, is typically, especially for wholesalers. Okay. So you've got different types of buyers. You've got the cash buyers, you've got the retail buyers, you've got the tenant buyers. So a lot of us who are putting either renters or maybe a tenant buyer who's buying uh, uh, with some sort of owner finance or lease option. They're, they're all different channels that we're going to go right. after. So for cash buyers, this is, this is, we've been servicing like most of our clients uh, for realestateinvestor.com. I'd say 80% have been in this last 36 months, been very he heavily wholesaling. So they're looking for cash buyers. These are investor buyers that are either uh, fix and flip or full rehab, or they're buying for you know their rental pool. Mm -hmm. And they want long-term cash flow holds. And what we have found is that the, the absolute, there's two best ways that we've seen that have worked for us and our clients and, and, and all the masterminds that I'm in with my peers. One is going out on Facebook and LinkedIn and finding the, because they're very active, they're out mm. there um, in the local market. You can, you can pretty much type in, you know, your particular, your Salt Lake City uh, real estate investor, and you'll find out pretty quickly, are these a rehabber and what their portfolio is because they're posting it. Or another avenue has been going out to the realtor list and uh, pulling properties about 50, a little over 50% of all properties in America, the, the transactions across the country and single family have been investor purchases um, with a large percentage of those listed on the MLS. So going out to those agents and interacting to say, hey, I noticed that you, Mr. Agent, um, were working with an investor. Is that investor looking for any more properties? Mm -hmm. I, I have a portfolio of properties and uh, I'm not sure if your your buyer is actually looking for more. And we've been finding fantastic uh, cash buyers going through the realtor pool. By the way, those realtors, those those cash buyers are typically paying a premium because they've been buying on the MLS, right? Uh, the multiple listing service on listed properties. And so that's been a great source for, for us from sure. what I've seen. Now, Pulling a cash buyers list, you know, you can actually hear there's a cash buyers list and you can text message them, you know, broadcast by sending a text message. You can actually do ringless voicemail. You can send direct mail postcards. We do all of that for our clients, but very few people use it because it's not the, it's not really the most effective way uh, that we've seen sure. uh, to go out. Now, it, sure. And if you're a wholesaler, you don't have to have hundreds of buyers. Like in my market, I'm in four markets, but like I'm here in the San Francisco Bay Area and I primarily have four <laughs> investor buyers that I'm flipping properties to. Mm -hmm. that, you know, and I'm not a huge volume guy, but um, you don't really need a huge number of, of buyers. Now, if you're looking for tenant buyers, 
that's that's a totally different place where finding tenant buyers are usually um, there's there's mailing lists that you can typically find. Mailing would be a great way, uh, or or text message broadcast for mm-hmm. tenant buyers. Tenant the ten, the best tenant buyers are people that are self employed because they can't qualify for standard right. mortgages, right? Um, or people that have less than stellar credit. Mm-hmm. That's been a great source for tenant buyers for for a long time. Right. So on yeah. the flip side, then uh, let's talk about the marketing to those, those potential sellers and what, what is currently working today? You know, it, it seems like uh, certain marketing uh, kind of ebbs and flows depending on the, on, on people's response. You know, for a while there, we actually saw our, the response like drop through the floor for our direct mail, but then it kind of yeah. started to uptick a little bit again. In fact, I'm getting phone calls on paper marketing material now that I sent like a year ago, um, yeah. which is, you know, it's kind of, I, I just, I can't imagine people holding onto a postcard that long, but I guess they do. Yeah. I, I got a great story. I mean, we've done direct mail from direct mail is probably, I mean, in terms of scalability, um, consistency, and it's probably one of the most proven ways to do it. However, mm-hmm. most people do it wrong. That's you, There is a formula for how to make direct mail work. We were interviewing uh, Scott Oots, who's in California. California is one of the toughest markets for direct mail. Uh, he's got a high six-figure or high seven-figure business. Um, he's crushing it right now in this COVID market, and he has less than one-half of a percent response rate on his direct mail, but it's still the one that produces so direct mail is a, it's a people, <clears throat> the first thing that's important is uh, it's a cost per deal. Mm-hmm. So the, the factor is what is the cost? Uh, how much money do I have to put into direct mail or any kind of marketing to produce enough leads? They're going to turn it into enough good leads that turn into a deal. And knowing that formula, uh, Scott is an example, averages $70,000 per deal. And he's spending in California forty two hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, in some markets, it might be fifteen to seventeen hundred dollars in marketing to average a fifteen thousand dollar profit. So it's um, you know the 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 cost in, a, in in an area like California or Portland or uh, Phoenix, Arizona is going to be higher, but the typically the profits per deal are 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 higher as well. So direct mail. Um, outbound text blasting, uh, broadcasting mm. is one. You do have to be very watchful uh, and, and, and aware of the FCC requirements mm. um, because there are laws around that. Ringless voicemail is another one that probably has you know the bigger issues for ringless voicemail is we're pulling a, pulling a list, we're skip tracing it for phone numbers. Mm-hmm. And then we're loading it into a system that will actually send out it by it, it, it calls the phone number and it just leaves a voice message. And that, that those have, those have pretty much been the most consistent. If you're going direct to the seller, right. um, there is online marketing. So, um, you know, the best type of online marketing that I've seen is usually retargeting ads. Once the seller, like trying to buy pay-per-click or do Facebook ads, um, you know, it's, it's a it's a very competitive market as as I know you're you're aware. Yeah. So we yeah. we love direct mail. Actually, direct mail 
but there's a there's a way to get direct mail work i can explain it to your people most the 97 percent do not come off of the initial phone call so three percent of the deals will actually come off of the initial call Mm. 90 percent come after the sixth follow-up right right so follow-up meaning hey the lead came in and you're you're continuing to follow up somebody's calling them you're sending out a text message to them you're sending out a, a an email to them if you've got their email address 90 percent come after and, and less than 10 percent of any investor or agent follow up more than twice right so direct mail to make direct mail work people people give up uh way too early <laughs> i call it three feet from gold so the leads come in off a of direct mail they have to be they have they need to automate uh, an uh, an automatic uh, follow up system that will add automatically follow up and they do need to be phone called so you have to have a what we call an ISA uh, an, uh, a, somebody that's on the phone dialing all day long to get the sellers back on the call mm-hmm. right leads come in they'll hang up thirty percent of all inbound calls coming in off a of direct mail are hang ups. They never mm-hmm. actually leave a message, right? Or they get a live voice and they hang up. Those right. are absolutely gold, but somebody has to call them back. And what I fa- what we find is the, p- the people that do not have success, they're not following up and they're not calling the sellers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. If that makes you know, sense. It, well, you know, it's interesting you say that because, you know, uh, I've been known and, and to my partner's chagrin because he hears me sometimes doing it is that, I'll even call back the people who call me to tell me to screw off um, just to apologize for bothering them. And, you know, I didn't mean to cause an offense or something. And sometimes half of them will go, well, you know, they'll apologize back. And then all of a sudden they know somebody across the street that might be willing to sell me their house. So I've even gotten leads from that. So yeah, Jack. And so everybody that's hearing this, if, if you, if you have been struggling with direct, direct mail, this is an absolute gold mine right here. Some of the best leads, some of the absolute best leads are the angry sellers. The yep. people that are nice that say, I'm not interested in selling, uh, those are good too, but you want to wait for four months. So mm-hmm. you're the, 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 it's a not interested. The, the angry sellers, they're not angry at us for sending them a postcard. They're angry at something that's going on. Many times Mm. they're fighting over money in the family. Maybe it's an inherited property or a rental property. Maybe Mm. there's illness. Maybe there's divorce going on or money problems, especially right now. I, uh, I, I tell the story all the time. One of the biggest deals that I did, uh, in single family, a, a seller, uh, he was a fireman in, here in Southern California, left me the most, I mean, the most atrocious voicemail I've ever had. I mean, it threatened me. Mm-hmm. And and so if anybody that, that wants to try it, just write what I'm going to tell you. I'll, I'll tell you exactly what I said to him. I called him back and he goes, hello. And I said, is this Dwight? And he said, yes. And I said, Dwight, um, I'm probably the last person on the entire planet you want to hear from. And he said, who? And I said, I'm the guy that sent you the uh, postcard. And I am so sorry, right? I come from a point of humility. And he screamed at me. 
and called me all these different things. And I just kept on apologizing. And that went on for about four minutes. And then I asked him, I said, gosh, I have a very reputable company. And I thought you were somebody that uh, might be interested. And I don't know you and you don't know me. How would you have recommended that I introduce myself to you? Should I have actually waited for you to pick up the paper outside? Should I maybe run my you know, we did, uh, met you at the supermarket and run my, my basket into you. Like, what would you recommend? He, he laughed. And I ended up buying two properties and made $241,000. And he apologized to me, he, you know, but you call in and those angry callers are some of the best ones, but you call mm-hmm. in with a little bit of humility, apologize, ask them, Hey, was there any, anything offensive? Is there, th- you know, I use a marketing company. Is there anything that I can improve? And they're absolute gold mines. Now, the trick is, over time, none of us should be actually doing this phone work. You really should have somebody doing it for you. Uh, mm. uh, it's a low-cost person. Um, we actually have a team of people that do that for all of us because it's a lot of phone work. It's a lot right. of phone work. On average, you have to call somebody. You know, To get somebody back on the phone, it's an average of eight dials. Just imagine having to dial eight times you know, multiple days to get somebody on the phone. Mm-hmm. And, and, and a conversion from those people into an appointment is about one in six. So you, that's 70 phone calls, 70 times dialing the phone to get an appointment. And, and most people are not willing to do, sit there and dial 70 times. Mm-hmm. It's the most profitable part of our business. <laughs> Somebody has to do it though. So, you know, like what did they go through? You know, let's say they do get a person on the line. Is there a kind of a vetting process to see if they're an actual good fit for the potential investor? Yeah, we uh, and I would be happy to give this to you for the show notes. We um, we have what we call our sales ninja script. And mm-hmm. what happened was I brought probably some I, I brought about 15 of our top clients uh, about four years ago. These are guys like uh, Clay Manship, who's got a multi-million dollar wholesale. Yeah, we know business. Clay. Yeah. Yeah. So Clay came in, Steve Carlson, and we, and these are guys that are experts at sales. And I said, guys, let's build the absolute perfect words to the seller. Uh, the right words with the icebreaker. It's about a six minute interview. So exactly that we could train anybody. Mm-hmm. And so I, and then, and then I actually built a sales ninja team. It's a team. Uh, we have about 40 people that they do this all day long. We record all the calls, um, in the States that we can, re- can record, but it's a script. that's about six minutes. It starts with, gosh, you know, let's say somebody called on a hangup. The, the words are, Hey, uh, we missed a call from you. Were you calling about a property? Uh, note that you received in the mail or pop, pop, possibly a, a property that you're considering to sell. And and there's four answers. Yes, no, maybe, or possible referral. Um, we'll say, hey, do you actually have maybe a couple of minutes where I could ask you a few questions about the property? And then I could pass you over to one of our buying, buying specialists who could make you an offer and provide more details about who we are and more about our company. So it's the perfect words all the way down. You know, one of the questions that we ask is, is the property listed with the realtor? It's mm-hmm. one that's missed. A lot of people will go out and see a first, you know, a, 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 a retail sign in the front yard. Um, and so we'll ask that to bedrooms and bathrooms and is the property current, currently occupied? So it's, it's really warming up the seller to find out if there's any 
motivation to sell. And then mm -hmm. we'll work to schedule that as an appointment. Um, and, and so that's, that's a team. That's a, that's a team that I built. Uh, it was the biggest hole, by the way, for direct mail that I saw years ago. And finally, I just said, you know what, I'm going to see if I can actually build a world-class phone team. Mm. Um, yeah. Now I'll tell you another thing. One <clears throat> on the, on building a phone team, because really, if you're going to do direct mail or any of this, you do, somebody has to be dialing the sellers. They have, the money is going to be in the follow-up and, and most people, they don't realize it and that's why they fail. And so, <clears throat> um, I never thought I could build the team overseas. I always thought I needed people here stateside, but it's expensive. Mm -hmm. And I, I totally proved myself wrong. So that we've actually turned, we have the team in the Philippines. Um, it is a strategic weapon for all of us. And I'm going to tell everybody uh, right now something, if you've got somebody overseas, you want to do this on your own. This is, this has worked really well for us. So the seller is on the phone and often they will say, where are you calling from? And we want them to actually ask that question and they'll say where you're calling from. And so the, our team is trained. And what they say is I'm actually calling from the Philippines, um, Gary Boomershine or Jack, or, you know, insert your name as our client, uh, hired me in the Philippines so he can pay higher prices for houses. Mm. And how, how am I doing? Is this, is there any feedback that I could give to Mr. Boomershine on how I'm doing? The sellers love it. They love the answer. That's what's called an objection handler, right? The seller camp with an objection. And now we're finding that our stick rate is almost a hundred percent. So people, the sellers are staying on the phone by asking that we almost want to, uh, we haven't done this yet, but we almost want to let them know that we're calling from the Philippines. Uh, but we haven't done that <laughs> just hmm. to test it out. No, that's so, a, that's, that's a great line. And that's, uh, We've put a lot of effort into providing useful content, and if you've found value in the show and have any interest in supporting us with a small donation, head over to patreon.com slash housedudes. And if you have any thoughts or questions, shoot us an email at info at housedudes.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at housedudes. And if you like what you're hearing, head over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It really helps other investors out there find the show. And remember... Massive positive impact requires massive positive action. We'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by housedudes.com. Do you have time to actively manage flipping and rentals yourself? If so, go for it. If you live in a market that won't cash flow or don't have the time to do all the work, are you just out of luck? If there was a way to participate more passively, would that appeal to you? I'm sure you have questions about how the process works and what to do next. If that's the case, fill out the form on housedudes.com slash investors, and we'll reach out to see if you are a good fit for our business. This is first come, first serve, and we will have to stop taking applications when our goals are met. See you at housedudes.com slash investors. tell a man what to do with his money but if you ain't investing in property then you're dumber than a dummy i'm not dumb i'm smart well buy property that's my advice